Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Daily Dialectic with me, Kevin Trakis. This is a philosophy podcast where sometimes I interview people, sometimes I go solo. Um, I talk about politics, culture, all kinds of stuff. Today I'm going to talk about the big story in the news today, which is the end of the Afghanistan war. The longest war in American history, 20 years, and it appears to be at an end. Um... Biden gave a speech today where he doubled down on his decision to withdraw forces, said he stands behind it, even though he's getting lots of, you know, pushback from all over the place saying it's a bad idea and that's, you know, we have to stay there to uphold human rights and so on. And he's getting challenged by a lot of liberals, Um, but it appears that he's going to stick with it. Now, I'm sure, you know, they're going to keep some levels of troops there or whatever, but by and large, the war is ending. And so what does this mean? Um, What can we learn from this? What does this tell us? And I think it's only a good thing um, because maybe now we can begin to understand that America has never had any moral authority or moral conscience. Um, There's this idea that's been around for a while now. It's always been bullshit that America is this beacon of justice in the world. And it's really never been true. I guess it's tied to, you know, World War II and we opposed the Nazis, but we didn't even really beat the Nazis. Anyone who really knows World War II history knows that it was the Soviets, Stalin, who did most of the work in beating Hitler and defeating the Nazis. 20 million Russians died fighting the Nazis and like a half a million Americans died. So it's not even close, but that's really the only thing that America has uh, to view itself as like these wonderful heroes of liberal democracy and human rights. And that's bullshit too. Um, And so now I think we're starting to understand that we have no business telling anyone else how to run their society. We don't have any real values at all in America other than, you know, make money or you die. Uh, so we have no business imposing our bullshit anywhere else in the world, um, including Iraq and Afghanistan or any other country. Um, and I think the American people are ready to come to terms with that now. I don't think we have these misguided beliefs about us being this beacon on a hill, this, you know, amazing country of justice and morality anymore. Um, in part because... Trump was president for four years, and you can't really think that you're like a great country, a moral country, if Donald Trump was elected. Um, And liberals, you know, they like thinking that, oh, Trump was an aberration, he doesn't really represent America, whatever, whatever. But that was never true. Trump, you know, represented America just as much as Hillary Clinton did, if not more so. Um... And Trump won because he was a rebuke of Hillary Clinton and everyone like her, including Biden and Obama and George W. Bush and on and on, who supported the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war and didn't do shit about the financial crisis in 2008. Not that Trump would have, of course. Um, But I think the time is right to, you know, think about how full of shit we are. And again, having Trump be president, put that in front of our faces so constantly for years 
that we're totally full of shit. We have no moral authority. We don't deserve to impose our values anywhere in the world. Um, but of course, there are some people who are still defending the Afghanistan war or saying that, it, that it's wrong to withdraw so quickly because the Taliban is taking over really fast. Um, it's mostly a certain kind of liberal white woman. So uh, I'm getting most of this from Twitter, but like, you know, white liberal women journalists in Brooklyn and other places uh, saying that the Taliban is going to be mean to women. So we have to stay over there and keep doing imperialism and militarism. Uh, which means killing people <laughs> and colonizing and invading a foreign country uh, because that will be good for women. And it's interesting that it's mostly woke women, progressive, social justice women making this argument. Um, but of course, they're being condescending and kind of racist by claiming that they know what the women in Afghanistan want and need better than they do, that they're the you know spokespeople for uh, these women on the other side of the world who are totally different and have nothing whatsoever in common with these liberal white media women, you know? Um, and so this human rights thing is total bullshit. Like whenever liberals, but especially liberal white women, cause they're the ones who really push it the most, uh, talk about, their values and about human rights and anything like that. It's always a lie. Always has been, always will be. They don't mean any of it. They don't believe in any of it. It's all self-serving and it's all just to make themselves feel better. Um, and we really see it here. Um, and so I think most of the country is ready to accept the end of this war, uh, a failed war. So it's the longest war in American history and a complete failure. And there's really no two ways around it. And it seems like right-wingers, far-right, far-left, even like moderates are ready to accept this. It's mostly some kind of neocons who originally supported the war. They're still kind of trying to, you know, rationalize it or justify it because they don't want to admit they were wrong. Uh, and again, these kinds of woke women who are saying, oh, we're abandoning human rights, and so we have to keep doing a horrible war for another 20 years until uh, human rights take hold over there. Um, but at a certain point, the justification for the Afghanistan war morphed into this uh, defense of human rights thing, and that's never what it was. The initial reason for the Afghanistan war was to try to find bin Laden over there or to get revenge against the people who did 9-11, because there was some wrong idea that Afghanistan was connected to it, even though they weren't really at all. So it was never about human rights. It was about revenge. <laughs> and revenge has nothing to do with anything good. It has nothing to do with human rights. It's just, you fucked with me, so I'm going to fuck with you. So that's called retributive justice. Basically a fancy word for revenge. Um, and it doesn't make the world better. It doesn't bring any sort of values or justice into the world. It's just the most basic animalistic kind of thing. And so that's, again, why we went into Afghanistan in the first place. But once it became clear that uh, Afghanistan had nothing to do with it, 
and that we weren't going to really be able to get revenge because they weren't the people responsible. Uh, it's sort of morphed into this like, oh, the Taliban is mean to women. And if the Taliban's in charge, then women aren't going to get a good education or something. And so it became about sort of using all of this military power to make sure that Afghani women can get a good education. Um, and of course, that's bullshit. And so we're spending billions of dollars, trillions, trillions of dollars over 20 years for this war uh, to try to get women over there to have a nice college education. Um, and for, you know, a fraction of that money, we could have paid for free college for everyone, <laughs> everyone in America. So why the fuck would anyone believe that, uh, the American le political leadership cares about women in a foreign country getting good college when they won't do shit to make college affordable or free in America for their own people. And they won't even cancel the massive, massive amounts of life-ruining uh, college debt that people in America have stacked up. So it never really made sense for all of those reasons. So of course, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, pretty much everything America's ever done with our military and with our foreign policy has been about imperialism. Um, America becoming a world empire. That's what it's been all about. And there's this Henry Kissinger quote. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but to paraphrase, he said basically that as America becomes an empire, it creates the meaning for itself through its imperial actions. That expanding outwards, getting into military conquests and adventures, that's how empires become who they are and create their own justification and their own kind of self-understanding and meaning. And so instead of looking inwards and finding meaning in improving the lives of the people in America, which is something that our leadership class hasn't given two shits about for at least 40 or 50 years, um, we went outwards and tried to create our meaning and our justification for ourselves that way. And so this required mythology like any kind of meaning-making does. And so the mythology here was we're upholding human rights, we're trying to spread democracy, justice, values, and so on. And a big part of that is, oh, we have to help women in Afghanistan or other places live better lives or something. Um, and now that's all over. I don't think anyone is buying into any of that. Uh, So since that's over, since we're not going to be, since no one's going to buy into this idea that we're invading under other countries for good reasons, and we can't really make our national meaning out of that anymore, we have to create a new kind of meaning. Um, and I'm not sure what that's going to be, because what's left? What kind of meaning can America possibly have for itself at this point? Um, you know, liberals are totally dead. Uh, there's Biden and he's kind of like the end of that.
class. And like, where do you go after Biden? Pete Buttigieg? People don't like him. Um, I just don't see that happening. So liberalism is more or less dead. Uh, The tendency that was supposed to save liberals, this new social democracy thing, Bernie Sanders politics, that's also basically dead. Um, AOC, because Bernie's a million years old, um, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and those other people, they were supposed to like carry social democracy into the next generation, but they're pretty unpopular at this point. They're not really getting anything done. They're basically being exposed as frauds. Um, and there's really nowhere for meaning to go on the left. On the right, however, I think there's all kinds of possibilities and opportunities um, that you just don't see on the left, and you won't. And I think the fact that right-wingers have been more enthusiastic about the end of the Iraq, uh, Afghanistan war is interesting because liberals and leftists, they're the only ones who are upset about this. Again, a few neocons are upset about it, but for the most part, it's posturing woke social justice leftists and liberals saying like, oh, this is bad for women, whatever. Um, right-wingers, I think they uh, are inspired by the Taliban to some extent um, because they, you know, have real beliefs that they fought for and they were over, able to overcome the bullshit and they were able to triumph against, you know, international human rights nonsense. And I think in this moment, more than anything, liberal emptiness and their obliviousness to their own emptiness is being exposed. Liberals are losing their minds because their whole dream world is crumbling. And so part of it was trying to create new states in Iraq and Afghanistan that would be like free market, utopian neoliberalism, that we could export liberal capitalist democracy over there and it would all work perfectly well and human rights and equality and democracy would follow along. But none of that worked whatsoever. So there's the economic dimension to it that failed, the neoliberal free market extremist dimension failed, uh, and the human rights messaging that kind of underlies it. And so I think in the collapse of the Afghanistan war, we can see how woke human rights bullshit has always been a way to sell unpopular, really irrational and doomed uh, neoliberal economics. The idea that if we cut taxes on corporations and the rich, then that will somehow be better for everyone else, for the mass of people. It's never been true. It was never even meant to be true. It never made any sense at all. It's just been failing constantly. Um, And in the same way, the Afghanistan war for 20 years has been sold as, oh, we're doing this to help them, to give them democracy and human rights values and whatever. And that was always fake too. So I think neoliberalism and the kind of bullshit human rights, democracy, we're spreading values around the world thing, which is the mechanism for how imperialism 
works today, uh, that's also been exposed as totally empty. Um, and so liberals are totally losing their minds and they're especially sensitive right now because they hate seeing their moral self-righteousness exposed as empty. And so again, a lot of them are saying, oh, these poor women in Afghanistan, what are they going to do? I care about them so much, blah, blah, blah. But of course they don't. And if you just point out that uh, if you're trying to defend human rights by saying we need more war, you're probably full of shit. So it's very easy right now to point out how full of shit these liberals are. Um, and that makes them very, very angry because they like to think that they're the only righteous ones, the only ones who care about other people. And they also think that they're the smartest ones too. Um, and so their morality is being exposed as bullshit because they're defending war and imperialism to try to uphold human rights and feminism, which is total bullshit. And they're also upset that they're being shown to not be very smart because they don't know anything about how the war started. They don't know that, you know, it was just done based on revenge and it became about human rights. Um, and that it was always doomed to fail because Afghanistan for a very long time, uh, the world has known that if you go in there, you're going to lose. It's not designed to be invaded or to, you know, have some kind of outside conquering force be successful there. So it was never going to work out. And I think the main reason uh, that we've been over there is because Afghanistan is close to China and China has been building its power for a long time now, but especially over the last couple decades. And if we had a big military force over there, that would kind of slow China's growth and expansion down. They have lots of progress, uh, projects that they're undertaking, the Belt and Road Initiative, massive infrastructure projects, the likes of which the world hasn't seen maybe ever or since, you know, the ancient world. Um, and, you know, the U.S. military was over there to try to slow that down. And now that we're going to be gone, uh, the Chinese military is going to accelerate that or the Chinese government is going to accelerate that. So that's a big part of the future now. Uh, Chinese expansion will continue to increase. And so what can America do? Well, I think if we actually want to have a positive future as a country, we have to focus on ourselves and turn our country into an actual democracy, which it isn't, because it's way too capitalist to be a democracy. And capitalism has nothing to do with democracy. In a capitalist corporation, the majority of people involved in it are called workers, and they have no say in how the companies run. So they contribute all of the profits and they don't get a say in how those profits are divvied up. So just on a very basic level, only you know the board of directors and the major shareholders make those decisions. And that's a small fraction of all the people in the corporations. So America is the most capitalist country, but we claim that we're the most democratic country. And both of those things can't be true. That's a contradiction right there. And so if we want to have a democracy, we have to become less capitalist in some meaningful way. And so I think there is support for that on the left and on the right to an extent. Um, because I think everyone knows that capitalism is a racket at this point, more so than people have known for a while. Uh, there's 
support for alternatives to capitalism among young people, um, I think the majority of young people, and not just liberals or leftists, but across the board, people are like, yeah, this capitalism thing isn't really working out. So if we want to be able to compete with China, we have to figure out what the fuck we're about as a country. And if we actually believe in democracy, then we have to understand that democracy and capitalism aren't compatible. So we have to choose one, I think. Do we want to be the world's greatest democracy or do we want to be the world's greatest bastion of capitalism? And so that, that contradiction that we've been doing for a long time now, that, oh yeah, we love democracy, but we also love capitalism, I think that has to end at a certain point. And I think that point is now. And it's strange because this is being compared to the end of the Vietnam War, which I think is correct. Um, but after the loss of the Vietnam War, there was a certain malaise that set in in the country. And there was like this big depression, social, economic, cultural decline in the 70s. Um, but I don't know if that's going to happen now because we're already, <laughs> we're, we're already so depressed as a country. And so at the end of our rope and at the scraping the bottom of the fucking barrel. So like how much more depressed can we get? So I think this is kind of having the opposite effect. It seems like it's clarifying things for people and energizing people. Um, and people are looking for, uh, something other than just more misery. So it's, there doesn't seem to be like misery or defeatism or really any, of that going on that I can see. It seems more like, oh, this is actually good that we're getting out of there. Um, a lot of respect for the Taliban, that they were able to stand up to us for 20 years, fighting for what they believe in and winning. Um, you know. But I think we accept that we deserve to lose. And I wasn't around after the Vietnam War, but from what I understand, I don't think people were like, yeah, we deserve to lose or whatever. They were like upset about it. And, you know, but now I think people understand that it's good that the war's over. We deserve to lose it. Um, if we want to have national pride, we have to figure out how to have a good justification for it. And these little imperialist adventures of trying to make ourselves feel better by pretending that we're spreading democracy and human rights around the world. I think everyone realizes that that's over now and that we have no real basis for doing that because we don't practice human rights over here. Uh, we have some of the worst human rights abuses of any country in the world in all kinds of ways. We have some of the worst prisons in the world uh, we only have, what, like 5% of the world's population, but we have 25% of the world's total prison population. We have solitary confinement in America, and most democracies don't have solitary confinement. We have capital punishment in America, and I think we're the only democracy in the world that has that. Um, we have some of the worst homelessness in the world, some of the worst poverty in the world, on and on and on. Massive human rights abuses on a daily basis. That's how America functions. 
And so the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, it was a way to distract us from that, to distract us from all of the evil, heinous bullshit that we do all the time over here. And so it's a big loss for liberal capitalist democracy. Um, Maybe the beginning of the end for it. But it seems, again, like this isn't having a depressing effect. It seems like this is inspiring people. Like we're almost celebrating the end of the war, even though we lost it, because it means that all of that bullshit is over. And it feels like the vitality and spirit of humanity is kind of returning and increasing as this lie is finally being ended and fully exposed for the lie that it is and always was. And when false things come to an end, uh, that has a positive effect on spirit and on vitality. So I think if we can use this moment of authenticity, of coming to terms with how evil our country has been for the last 20 years of this Afghanistan war, but how evil our country's always been, um, if we can fully understand that, and not just you know crazy leftists, but everyone, I think, is ready to understand that, then maybe we can begin to, I don't know, think about how, think about what a less evil America might look like, if that's even at all possible, which, <laughs> who knows? Um, and so I think the Taliban and the growth of Muslim extremist groups is going to be bad for Israel, of course, because they don't tend to like Israel. Um, and this, I think, will link up with the general anti-Zionism that's been growing over the last few months. So Israel had that war uh, against Gaza in May. Uh, and for the first time that I could tell, it seemed like public opinion fully turned against Israel as everyone saw their cruelty. Um, that's always been there, but it seemed like people were like more ready to see it now. And like most people uh, could kind of see as if for the first time how fucked up and evil and cruel um, what Israel does to Palestine all day, every day is. And I think people are seeing the humanity of the Taliban too at the same time. And so I think perhaps we were able to see the humanity of Palestinians for the first time, and now we're able to see the humanity of the Taliban for the first time. They're not evil, they're not monsters, they're not even really terrorists, and it's really fucked up that we call them terrorists when they did nothing to us. They didn't do 9-11. We've, we invaded their country and occupied it and did horrible atrocities for 20 years. We are the terrorists, not them. Just like Palestinians are not the terrorists. The Israelis are. The Zionists are. Um, And I think you can maybe connect some of this to the George Floyd protest last summer. That, you know, people have been talking about African-American struggle for a long time. uh, And Black Lives Matter has been a thing for almost a decade now. And a lot of this started in like 2014, Ferguson, those riots, whatever. But it seemed to become more mainstream and more kind of universally acknowledged during the George Floyd protests. 
um, just like the visual of that, of, uh, what's his name? Darren Chauvin, uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, having his knee on George Floyd's neck for what, nine minutes. Um, and so I think we are able to see the cruelty of the police state in action in a way that we hadn't quite seen before. And then I think in the war between Israel or the war, the <laughs> genocidal war crimes that Israel did to Palestine in May, um, we were able to see that more clearly as if for the first time. And I think we're able to see what we've been doing to Afghanistan more clearly for the first time. And that entails seeing the humanity of George Floyd, seeing the humanity of the Palestinians, seeing the humanity of the Taliban, even. Um, I'm not saying the Taliban's perfect, of course. But they're no worse than us. <laughs> you know, uh, the American military has done so much more evil than the Taliban ever has or could ever hope to do. Um, and again, this... The main criticism of the Taliban is that they are bad on women's rights issues. And I'm sure that's true. But take a look at Jeffrey Epstein, for example. Uh, He was friends with multiple presidents of the United States, friends with the leaders, the titans of capitalist industry. Bill Gates, just one example, but many others. Is there any difference between how Jeffrey Epstein and by extension, the leaders of industry and the leaders of the political class uh, and the media class who never, who knew about all of this, but never reported on it for years. Is there any difference between what Jeffrey Epstein does to women and how he feels about them and the Taliban? I don't think so. And so saying that we're going to continue this war on this other country because they're not nice enough to women after for the last several years, we've seen how horrible the United States uh, and liberal democracy is to women. I don't think that really holds up anymore. Another reason I think liberals are so upset about the war in Afghanistan ending is because, you know, this is COVID world now and they're entering this new phase of, uh, vaccine passports and lockdowns are starting up again in various countries, Australia most notably, but, uh, and then France is really cracking down with their past sanitaire. And the fact that the Taliban was able to totally just do whatever they wanted by taking control of the country as soon as America left, and they're not going to be <laughs> mandating uh, vaccinations. They're not going to take COVID very seriously. They're just going to live their fucking lives like human beings used to. And like we fucking should. Uh, I think that drives liberals crazy too, that there's a whole country now, Afghanistan, that's under the control of the Taliban. And they're not going to, you know, (laughs) be requiring people to get double vaccinated or get booster shots or whatever the fuck, idiots like us in the West are going to do. Um, So I think that's another thing that's fucking with liberals now and making them mad. And so that's cool. So I saw an article on Vice News today, um, 
with the headline, the far right is celebrating the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. And then the subheadline is, to be honest, the Taliban is epic, said one white nationalist commentator. And so, you know, Vice is pretty representative of liberal media, the liberal media consensus. Um, and they're immediately trying to spin this as if you think it's good that the Afghan war uh, is ending, then you're a racist, you're a white nationalist, you're a far right wing kind of person or whatever. Um, and this is very funny because Vice News uh, is, I think, mostly owned by Rupert Murdoch, the founder of Fox News. <laughs> you know, uh, he pays Tucker Carlson, who Vice News and every liberal in the country constantly calls a white nationalist. Um, and so what's the difference between Vice News and Tucker Carlson? They're just different brand, brands of bourgeois media, uh, but they have to create this kind of false distinction. And I think it's telling that they know that there's no real good argument against ending the Afghanistan war. Everyone knows that it's wrong and that it went on way too long and that there was never any good reason to go there. And that this idea about, oh, we're trying to uphold human rights is bullshit. Um, And so they know that they can't win an argument or make an argument. So they just have to go right for, if you oppose the Afghanistan war, then you're a racist or you're a far right winger. And I don't know if they can keep doing that anymore because it's so transparently absurd. Um, And of course, Biden, (laughs) he's the one who ended the war. And he came out, as I said earlier today, uh, and defended it, stood squarely behind his decision, he said. Um, and so is Biden a far right wing person? Uh, economically, he is. And in terms of his history with um, the prison system in America, he is. You know, he was one of the architects of the 1994 crime bill and so on. So you could make an argument that Biden is far right. Um, But that's not what Vice is doing here. They're not going to make the actual interesting critique of how progressive neoliberalism, which is what Biden's politics is all about, is actually, you know, a kind of reactionary thing economically, but also socially and imperially. They're just going right for the easy, like, oh, uh, racist, alt-right, you know, Pepe the Frog, Graper, whatever uh, type people, white nationalist type people. Charlottesville, Tiki Torch March type people um, are celebrating the end of the war. And there's been lots of evidence over the last several years that Vice was working with uh, the Obama administration, with the CIA. So, you know, go back to like 2014, the peak of ISIS hysteria. Vice did a lot of um, documentaries and reporting from within ISIS, from all of these crazy war zones. Like, how the fuck did they get access to that? So obviously they were working with the Obama State Department during those years to try to play up the threat of ISIS and how they were so bad for human rights and so on and so forth um, to try to make it, like, hipster and cool and whatever. So trying to make human rights into this, like, 
edgy, cool human rights advocacy into this edgy, cool thing instead of what it has always been, which is a bullshit lie that the liberal class tells itself to make itself feel better and to justify um, barbarism. And so again, vice media has always been in support of uh, American imperialist foreign policy, but from a very hip, like left, vaguely leftist, culturally leftist uh, perspective. And of course, if you know anything about vice, they treat their workers horribly. Some of the most, uh, you know, rampant exploitation economically, they had this um, saying where like it was the 22, 22 rule or something, or like 24, 24, where like you hire them when they're 24, you pay them $24,000 a year and you work them 24 hours a day. Like that's how they treat their low level employees, just work them to the bone. And they compensate them with like the name cachet of like, oh, you're working for Vice, so it's fine if we totally exploit you and whatever. Um, and so really anyone who's opposing the ending of this war, you can write them off as being part of the liberal bourgeois media class who tries to manufacture, manufacture consent for imperialism. Um, and that's all coming to an end now. And again, there's really nothing to replace it. So as this imperialist system is rapidly coming to an end, as American military activities are being almost universally acknowledged to be to have nothing whatsoever to do with human rights or democracy. Um, they have to make it seem like opposing war is a right-wing thing because liberals and leftists, they have no alternative. They're not interested in using the money that we're going to save from ending this war uh, in social programs. So, you know, how much money are we going to save by not having... A military presence in Afghanistan anymore. Billions and billions of dollars? I mean, who knows? And so we could probably uh, cancel student debt with that. We could give every American free college. We could do a jobs program. We could do health care. We could do all kinds of things that we're not going to do uh, because that would require the liberal class politically and in the media to want to do that. And they don't. And so instead of thinking about how uh, there are new possibilities now that the war is over to do social programs in America for our actual people, since they have no interest in doing that because they're all elites and they want the massive people in America to suffer and die, uh, they're going to just say, if you oppose war, you're a right winger. And that's a really fucking bad mistake. Because just about everyone in America now does oppose the Afghanistan war and knows that it was always bullshit and knows that we wasted a ton of money over there and destroyed countless lives. Um, and so this is another reason why I was saying earlier um, that there's a lot of possibility right now, but it's all on the right because the liberal left media and political establishment, they will never admit they were wrong. They will never come to terms with their own emptiness. 
they will never do anything other than keep saying bullshit about democracy and human rights. That's all they know how to do. Even though they don't really believe it and no one else believes it, they're just going to keep doing that because that's all they know how to do. And as I've been saying, uh, right-wingers, they don't really talk about <laughs> about human rights or democracy uh, because they don't give a shit about that stuff. But they don't make any pretense to. Um, but liberals do. And so I think that's sort of the fatal mistake here, one of many fatal mistakes, is that liberals will never realize that nobody believes in them anymore. Whereas right-wingers they realize that their whole tendency, conservatives, Republicans, neocons, but even like the moderate conservative stuff like Mitt Romney and that kind of shit, uh, they're totally ready to abandon that and figure out something new. So that's in part where Trump came from and Trumpism. And maybe he'll run again, maybe he won't, I don't know. But it's going to be someone like Trump and who says the kinds of things that Trump says. And liberals and leftists, they will never, ever allow that to happen. So uh, that's about all I have for tonight. Um, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.